0: former Montana Gatorade Player of the Year is leaving the Lady Grizz while a pair of women's track standouts with Montana Roots earned All-American honors over the weekend. Hello, I'm Coulter Nuanez. Kendall Keller, a Haver product who earned 2020 Montana Gatorade Player of the Year in girls' basketball during her senior prep season is transferring from Montana to Carroll College. The 5'8 guard played 49 games over the last two seasons for the Lady Grizz, averaging 14.4 minutes per contest. She scored 180 total points, averaging 3.7 points per per game on 26.3% shooting. Keller follows in her parents' footsteps as each competed in hoops for the Saints. The NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships came to a close on Saturday in Eugene, Oregon. Christina Aragon, a senior at Stanford who prepped at Billing Senior, capped her unbelievable career with All-American honors in the 1,500 meters. Bozeman High alum Lucy Corbett earned the Bobcats fourth All-American nod of the weekend. Aragon ran four minutes and ten seconds to finish third and earned first team All-American recognition in the 1,500 It was her highest finish at a national meet and earned her a ninth All-American nod. Corbett, a junior at MSU who who has won five total conference championships in the high jump, earned second-team All-American honors for the second year in a row by placing 15th. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Canyon River Golf Club of East Missoula. What's up, Montana? Welcome back. Did you know George Mikin? tried to go to Notre Dame, not to be a basketball player, but to be a baseball-playing future priest, (laughs) books are amazing. Colter Nuanes coming to you on ESPN Radio, on SWX Montana Television, and on the ESPN Montana app through the Northwest Motorsports Studio, Northwest Motorsport, new to Missoula, new to Montana, can find them here in the Garden City at the corner of Stevenson Mount, or online at nwmsrocks.com. You missed anything in the first hour of the show, fun first hour. Talked about the massive floods in Montana. Told some stories about the Skip Copper Vika fundraiser golf tournament yesterday. Also talked some football. Talked some of the best players we have seen play live in Washington Grizzly Stadium or Bobcat Stadium. We also talked about the East-West Shrine game. We heard from Dylan Snyder, a future Montana State Bobcat, who's from Butte, Montana. You can find all of that on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by Sportsbet Montana, as well as The Advocates. The Paddlehead's back home for the next several days. Homestand wraps up on Thursday. We'll have some tickets for you throughout the week. We also are proud to be helping out with the promotional side of things for the All Nations Health Center's Indigenous Heritage Celebration it begins on Thursday. You have a grand entry with all sorts of traditional, uh, traditional, excuse me, Native American um, garb and traditional uh, dancing and singing right before the game. There's also a huge talent show down there on Friday night, which will be very fun. There's a 5K fun run and walk on Saturday. The Indigenous Heritage Celebration presented by the Missoula Paddleheads, the All Nations Health Center, with uh, some help from us here at ESPN Radio. I, ha- I remember this book that I'm holding. If you're watching on TV, you can see it's uh, very waterlogged. This is uh, baseball super teams. I remember getting this when I was probably like seven or eight years old. And I was just like such a voracious reader. I still read so much. I love reading. But i it's actually crazy to think about how much you can read when you're a kid. Like I was always into just reading books and I used to crush books when I was a kid. It's amazing how much you can get done when all you really have to do is organize your baseball cards and pick up your room. (laughs) You don't have to go to work for 12 hours a day. Young me uh, envies old me. But this book's copyright 1992. I probably read it in the mid-1990s sometime. Baseball super teams. It's highlighting... Nine of the best teams in uh, baseball history, but the era is from 1947 to 1990. So I just, uh, I remember this when I just pulled this off the, uh, the shelf just to kind of take a look at it. But the 1947 Brooklyn Dodgers are one of the teams, the 57 Milwaukee Braves, um, one of the Mickey Mantle Yankees teams, he's on the cover here. You had the 76 Cincinnati Reds, which is part of the big red machine. The 1982 St. Louis Cardinals, who's maybe one of the more forgotten championship, World Series championship teams in baseball history. The 86 New York Mets, which is a new 30-30 out for that right now. Um, 89 Oakland A's, they won their third straight American League pennant, and then they won the, the World Series. But the Battle of the Bay, essentially, against the San Francisco Giants, that one also infamously involved an earthquake, which was uh, one of a kind, to say the least. Cincinnati Reds of 1990, that's also sort of a, a lesser remembered championship team. When people think championship teams from uh, Cincinnati, they think of those big red machine teams in the uh, mid 70s and maybe don't think about that 1990 Cincinnati Reds team. That was so the launching point to Barry Larkin becoming a superstar. But uh, I don't know, fun book. I used to read books about baseball history all the time. I continue to search for that thing that's going to. Grasp me back in <laughs> to baseball. I mean, I'm looking at this cover and like the star, but I, I still think that there's great players in baseball. I think that they just have such a hard time making them into stars like Mickey Mantle, Dwight Gooden, Ricky Henderson, Johnny Bench. That's who's on the cover of this book. And you could, I mean, I didn't even watch any of these guys play live. I wasn't even alive <laughs> by the time Johnny Bench retired. I wasn't even alive for years by the time Mickey Mantle was done playing. So it's so interesting how baseball legends, the lore was passed on over and over and over again. And uh, that just doesn't seem to be the case. Like the, the Los Angeles angels were on Sunday, ba- Sunday night baseball on Sunday. Who knew that? I mean, I did cause I was watching it secondarily at, at uh, an establishment, but I don't know. I, I, I just, I just wonder, like, when you have Mike Trout, who's uh, objectively one of, if not the greatest players in his generation, Shohei Otani, who's uh, objectively one of the craziest two-way players in pro sports history, honestly, and, you know, you had a, a brand-name coach like Joe, brand-name manager like Joe Madden, who then gets fired, and still the Angels are, like, on the outside looking in of the national um, sports narrative. Part of it's because they stink, like, they're just not very good. But I don't know, I just find it I find it fascinating. It continues to elude me, and I think a lot of you out there, too. I know there's a lot of baseball junkies as well. How do I get back into baseball? Text us, 406-888-1029. How does Coulter get back into baseball? I'm trying, and I do still love many parts of baseball, and I love the baseball playoffs. I love going to baseball games of any level live, whether it's professional or, you know, coach pitch, six- to eight-year-olds like my little nephew Ellis plays, whatever. I, lo- I love going to baseball games live. Uh, So just tell me, how do I get back in? What's going to be my hook? 406-888-1029. Text us and uh, let us know um, what you think or, you know, any advice you might have. Going into the weekend, we were talking about the Boston Celtics having an opportunity to seize control of the NBA Finals. Coming out of the weekend, and the Golden State Warriors have a firmly seized control of the NBA Finals. That said, though, myself, Andrew Houghton, our producer, we have both talked that the game-to-game ups and downs is a part of and one of the best parts of the NBA playoffs and the NBA finals. But we've also both said that we think that no matter the ebbs and flows of this series, that we think it's going seven. To get to seven, we needed, I think, what happened the last couple games because now we're going back to Boston. The Golden State Warriors are up three to two. And I think that this series is now definitely going seven. I think it's going to be hard for Golden State, if not impossible, for them to close it out in Beantown. The Celtics team, for how mercurial and up and down they can be, they are at their best when they are uh, coming off a loss or when they have their backs against the wall. They had the best record in the NBA this, se- this season coming off a loss. They made that into an unbelievable strength uh, this playoffs. And now here they are one game away from elimination. And uh, so I expect Boston to take it uh, to take game six in Boston on Thursday night. All that said though, this has been a great series. There's, there's been some ups and downs and some backs and forths. The Celtics, when they don't look great offensively, look really bad. Part of that, though, I think is maybe not getting get, part of that is not getting enough credit. I think that the Gold State Warriors defense, isn't getting enough credit. I think that when Boston doesn't play well offensively, a lot of the commentary is, well, this is a feast or famine team that has some real holes on the offensive end. Boston's the team with the defensive identity, but I think it's Golden State that's used its defense to first steal the momentum with the game four win. It was the, the Golden State defense and a virtuoso, transcendent performance by Stephen Curry. One of his signature games, one of the signature games of the modern era in the NBA playoffs, to be honest. That helped tie the series at two to two, and then last night in Oakland, Steph doesn't play very well at all. He shoots the ball very poorly, and uh, the Warriors were sort of okay across the board except for one guy, Andrew Wiggins, and uh, he finished it was either 23 or 26 points. I forgot my computer today, so I can't stat check my stat check myself but at least 23 points, as well as 13 rebounds, which is one of the parts of his game that has come along uh, so tremendously. And what a story this young man is. A former number one overall pick out of Kansas. Got to the NBA as a teenager with the Rookie of the Year up in Minnesota. And then it took him another half a dozen years to fully develop into an NBA All-Star. But here he was this year, an All-Star starter, and he looks like the perfect missing link for this Golden State team. So the uh, game six, Thursday night, Thursday night action on ABC. It's going to be a good one, but I expect this thing to go the full gamut. I think it's going to go to seven games, but it should be fun to follow. New want now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Andrew, did you know that uh, George Mikan once upon a time wanted to be a priest? <laughs> I did not. I, uh, I got our, our – we, we love using this book, this uh, 100 Greatest Sports Heroes, 1954, the copyright. And I was sort of reading up to prep for what we're going to do tomorrow uh, for one of the segments. But I turned to the page before the page we are on. We've been going through this in alphabetical order. We're 81 pages into it here halfway through the year. So uh, surely on pace to get through the whole book uh, this calendar year, there's uh, there's officially, let's see, there's officially 145 pages. So we're just a little over halfway. So we're like right on pace. But the page I turned to, was George Mikan, and we highlighted George Mikan um, earlier in this uh, fun little piece of commentary, but I didn't read the whole thing, so I was reading about how people thought he was too tall and, and heavy to play in the NBA, and he didn't really get a real basketball shot until he was in his 20s at DePaul because after he got turned down from basketball, he became a baseball pitcher, which I'm sure in the early 1940s was probably... Terrifying, a 6'10 guy throwing downhill at you. Uh, then he tried to go to Notre Dame to become a priest. That didn't happen. So he enrolled at DePaul, which is, uh, I believe, some sort of Jesuit school in Chicago. And uh, he then got a chance to play basketball, and the rest is history. He's probably the first great, first all-time great player in NBA history. He was an All-American three times at DePaul. And then he became the first player in NBA history with more than 10,000 points. Six world championships with the Minneapolis Lakers in his first seven seasons so uh, impressive to be sure I only cued you though because I wanted to ask you last thoughts on the NBA Finals what what did you think of um, Golden State's game particularly Andrew Wiggins I mean it's it's a great story that's going on uh, amidst Golden State trying to continue to extend this dynasty that they built up a great story for sure I thought it was really nice to
3: see Steph Curry finally get to have an off night and to see the team sort of uh, react to to that off night and sort of pick up the slack for him a little bit because these first the first five games or the first uh, the first four games of the series, it's really been steph against the world for the Warriors. I mean Clay Thompson had sure. a couple decent shooting nights in there. Uh, but last night, I thought that Draymond Green really set the set the tone early, and he's been sort of a flashpoint in this series, despite or maybe because he hasn't played very well. Right. Uh, and he's tried to rem- he's remained in the spotlight with some off the court stuff, even though he hasn't played very well. I thought he looked re- a lot more aggressive to start the game last night, um, and then of course Andrew Wiggins. I mean, you, if you would have thought, you know, three years ago, Andrew Wiggins is going to take over a finals game, not not just a finals game. But a game five in the finals when you're tied 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> for sure. Um, he's aggressive. He's looking for a shot. He's using his athletic gifts. And that's the thing about the, the Celtics defense here, which is the best in the NBA in the regular season. They work really well together. They're tough. They're physical. Yeah. Andrew Wiggins has more bounce than any of those guys. For sure. How are you going to stay? And that, sometimes that's just what it comes down to. How are you going to stay in front of that guy one-on-one? How are you? Al Horford, great team defender. Yeah. Wiggins is taking him one-on-one. He's just jumping over him shooting sure. little floaters. It's,
0: sometimes that's all it takes. <laughs> Absolutely. Two two points there on Wiggins. Nuon is now uh, Andrew Houghton, our producer, joining us here on ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television and the ESPN Montana app. Shout-out to all the folks at ABC Fox as well as SWX for their amazing performance at the Craneys. They just cleaned up first and second place honors for the television side of things all over the place. So congratulations. Uh, so happy for my great friends Sean Rainey and Ben Weinman for their uh, accolades that they were able to uh, secure. Joe Lazar is a great uh, photographer and and do everything over there at ABC Fox. He also had a great weekend. Angela Marshall, of course, too, uh, nominated for so many different newscaster awards. So congratulations to to all those folks. Um, One thing about Wiggins is that he just looks so confident. So often when we see guys come out of nowhere and catch lightning in a bottle, Part of the fun of it is how there's even just a sliver, if not a a huge uh, indicator that they're surprised by their performance as well. Wiggins, he like went from young kid with potential to bust to a guy that seemed like he maybe was even kind of satisfied to just kind of be a mediocre guy to then, boom, this breakout all-star type player, yet it's It's the mentality that helped him get there. Like, it's not only that he's so athletic he can take Al Horford off the dribble. He also knows that now, too. Like, he's attacking the rim and just dunking on people. And it's a crazy evolution. It's a great testament to the Golden State Warriors culture and to Steve Kerr's coaching and and all of it. But, I mean, I can't really think of a parallel example of a guy that was – had so much potential coming out and sort of seemed like he was this also-ran, mostly because of poor effort, to then become – not only this dominant, confident guy, but he's doing it with a high motor as well. And I mean, he's really transformed. He's, it's, it's, there's no really comparison to a story like it that I can think of in the NBA. Yeah, and it's
3: not just the confidence, but it's like you said, it's the high motor, it's the effort, because he's had the confidence in spurts before, I mean, that's what you get from sort of being, he was anointed the future number one pick back when he was still in high school. I mean, he
0: was the number one player in the country since he was 16 years old, basically. Be- before he
3: got to Kansas, and he—he showed that confidence before, but it sort of waxed and waned for him, yeah. and I, you know, you would never expect it to show up in an NBA Finals game, you know, it was something that you would see on a random game in February, maybe here and there. But the effort was the other big part of it. You mentioned the 13 rebounds for him last night. Yeah, So important to counteract uh, what the Celtics have been doing on the offensive boards because when they're rolling, they're grabbing offensive rebounds, getting second-chance points. I mean, that's, that's really where I've been the most impressed with the Celtics this year. Or just in this playoff run. yeah. You hear about the defense, and, and that's as advertised. I thought they were really good on the offensive boards. And, you know, Golden State has some weaknesses there when you you got Steph and Clay on the floor. Wiggins stepping up there, Draymond being a little bit more aggressive, Gary Payton the second coming back on the boards. Really important. Uh, I really, as far as a comp for what Wiggins has done, I can't think of one. I can't really either. I mean, there are guys who have, who have made steps, who have gotten sure. in the right situations and made steps. But as far as a guy who came in with that much potential, reached sort of the depths, or, you know, he was always a decent player, decent scorer. For sure. But compared to what he was when he was coming in, I mean, he was just sort of irrelevant in the league. To now, uh, you know, having that performance that he did in Game 5 of the Finals, and he's been crucial for them all year, I can't think of, a you know, another player like that.
0: It's amazing because when the trade was first made, people thought that the Warriors were so dumb for trading D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins, and now it looks like the other side is who got rid of it. But maybe it's just a change of scenery. Last point on Wiggins is I'm always preaching about roster construction and guys filling specific roles and how more better players and determining guys that are better by their scoring prowess is not the way to build consistent NBA winners. Even when the Miami Heat had a super team, they also had a super team with one of, if not the greatest, passing forwards in the history of basketball, and LeBron James, as well as one of the better shooting bigs in the history of the NBA, and Chris Bosh. Same thing with the Cavs. Ky- Kyrie Irving might be ball dominant, but Kevin Love's one of the better shooters among big men ever, and they had LeBron on that team too. But it's never been about like when 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 Chris Paul and James Harden doesn't work out, when Russell Westbrook and LeBron James doesn't work out, when Russell Westbrook and James Harden doesn't work out. When What's the common theme here? James Harden is not working out with a lot of guys. But, you know, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, that, that's an 8 seed. It's an 8 seed because those guys can't play with each other. So what I'm always saying. More scorers, more elite all-time scorers on the same squad, it doesn't do you any good. I know that the Warriors won championships with Kevin Durant. They are more appealing to watch and a better constructed team when they have their loyal trio of Draymond Green, Stephen Curry, and Clay Thompson then they add in key role players. And this year, the key role players have been Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins. But Andrew Wiggins is like the second iteration of, but a much taller and more athletic and younger version of Andre Iguodala, who was a finals MVP for this Warriors team several years ago. And that's the role that Wiggins is playing, except for Wiggins is 6'9", not 6'6". And Wiggins is one of the best athletes in the NBA, therefore making him one of the best athletes on the planet. And Iguodala was a great athlete at his prime. When he was actually doing it for the Warriors, he had uh, regressed athletically a little bit, but his his acumen, his sports IQ, or his uh, basketball IQ was so high. But I think it's great that Wiggins has sort of helped that role within this squad reemerge, and he's doing it even better, at least at this exact moment, than Andre Iguodala ever was. He's not guarding LeBron James, so we'll give a caveat there. But 13 rebounds and the energy he's bringing. It's, uh, it's been cool to watch with Andrew Wiggins. The NBA Finals returns Thursday night. You can catch it on ABC and uh, we're thinking we're going to have one more game after that, but uh, either way, at least one more in Beantown at the Boston Garden. Uh, Golden State has a 3-2 lead over the Celtics. Treasure State stars, all American style. We'll hear from Duncan Hamilton and Drake Schneider and put a bow on the academic and athletic calendar. Give me right here. It's Nuance Now, ESPN Radio. A former Montana Gatorade Player of the Year is leaving the Lady Grizz while a pair of women's track standouts with Montana Roots earned All-American honors over the weekend. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Kendall Keller, a Haver product who earned 2020 Montana Gatorade Player of the Year in girls basketball during her senior prep season, is transferring from Montana to Carroll College. The 5'8" guard played 49 games over the last two seasons for the Lady Grizz, averaging 14.4 minutes per contest. She scored 180 total points, averaging 3.7 points per game on 26.3% shooting. Keller follows in her parents' footsteps as each competed in hoops for the Saints. The NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships came to a close on Saturday in Eugene, Oregon. Christina Aragon, a senior at Stanford who prepped at Billings Senior, capped her unbelievable career with All-American honors in the 1500 meters. Bozeman High alum Lucy Corbett earned the Bobcats fourth All-American nod of the weekend. Aragon ran four minutes and ten seconds to finish third and earned first team All-American recognition in the 1500 It was her highest finish at a national meet and earned her a ninth All-American nod. Corbett, a junior at MSU who has won five total conference championships in the high jump, earned second-team All-American honors for the second year in a row by placing 15th. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Canyon River Golf Club of East Missoula. We rolled so hard on the NBA Finals that I didn't even get to make my great take on... uh, My great analogy on the Live Tour and the uh, World Wrestling Federation. Maybe we'll get to that a little later on. Maybe we'll get into it tomorrow. Either way, a lot of time left this week. Nuwana's now happy to be back after an unexpected three-day weekend. Those little paddleheads had a doubleheader yesterday because it got all the way rained out over the last weekend. So paddleheads will be coming back at you again throughout the rest of this week. Thursday, the end of their homestand, play the Great Falls Voyagers. That kicks off the uh, Indigenous Heritage Celebration. That game does. And then uh, panel heads off Friday and Saturday uh, out of Missoula. And uh, there'll be a big talent show down there, Ogren Park Allegiance Field, on Friday night. And a 5K fun run and walk uh, on Saturday. For all information on the Indigenous Heritage Celebration presented by All Nations Health Center, visit All Nations Health. Or excuse me, it's www.allnations.health. www.allnations.health. That's going to get you to all the great services that they provide, as well as more information about this upcoming great weekend and celebrating our native peoples from around the state of Montana. Let's dive into our Treasure State Stars. Usually we highlight a handful or more of individual athletes, and today we're just highlighting a quartet. Duncan Hamilton, Drake Schneider, Levi Taylor, and Lucy Corbett of Montana State. All four of them. All Americans, and I, I think that it's worth re-emphasizing that we love all the athletes from around the state of Montana. We love covering cover Division One sports, and we love that the Cats and the Grizz are both nationally elite uh, in the football landscape of FCS football. And being an All American and all that—it's all great, and it's going to give you elevated opportunities and everything. Duncan Hamilton is a first-team All-American, and this is at the highest level of Division I track. The highest level that Big Sky Conference athletes are competing at is in track and field, and for Montana State to land three men and one woman on the All-American lists coming out of the NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships, it's amazing. So those are our four special Treasure State stars for this week. That's the wrap to the athletic calendar for the year. Our years basically run August through uh, right about now. Usually, it's all getting wrapped up around Memorial Day, but we've gotten a couple extra weeks of bonus live event coverage, and that came to an end in Eugene, Oregon, over the weekend. So congratulations to those All-Americans. Treasure State Stars is presented by Parkside Credit Union. Parkside Credit Union, a great place to get a loan because Parkside Credit Union always loves to say yes. Duncan Hamilton, not only did he earn a silver medal and first-team All-American honors, not only did he become an All-American for the seventh time in his decorated Montana State career, but the young man from Bozeman, he also ran the third fastest steeplechase time in the history of college track and field, and he hit the A standard to qualify for the World Championships. This kid has competed in the Olympic Trials. He's certainly going to be in the mix to compete for national championships even after his Montana State career is over. But he's headed to the World Championships in Eugene, Oregon this next month. Thanks to Andrew Peterson, who's been a sports information director at Montana State for the last six years. He is on his way to a new gig. So as soon as he announces that, we'll pass along the news. But he's the guy that heads up men's basketball as well as track and field. So he was in Eugene, and he provided some sound bites for us Here's Duncan Hamilton on achieving his goals from this junior season.
2: Three out of four of my goals for the season completed. So I can choose to be super happy with that three or I can focus on that last one. And I'm going to focus on those three because it's an amazing season. I, I put forth my best effort. You know, I ran the race that I wanted to. And I'm just so thankful to have my teammate here with me, you know, an amazing coach in Lyle and some of the best competition. Uh, we've seen in ncaa history i'm exactly kind of where i was dreaming of being last year and you know you can be in the ncaa and be trying for a title every season and it can still elude you even if you even if you have your best races and so i'm happy with where i'm at and i'm going to be trying for a title time and time again to be at the point when i finish a ncaa race and be like oh there's eight points for the team like thinking of the team score is just i don't know that's that's where i want us to be and yeah, I just know next year there's gonna be there's gonna be more than four of us here and we're gonna get, get a higher score, so that's just that's all I've wanted and it's happening and I just want the rest of my teammates to, to kinda see the success here this weekend and, and join us and make it motivate them.
0: Duggan Hamilton second place in the men's table chase Levi Taylor took ninth to earn second team All American honors, so that's two Montana State runners in the top nine in one event, two all American accolades. Taylor ran eight minutes thirty seconds in change which is exactly what Hamilton ran last year as a sophomore to take fifth. So if Levi Taylor continues that same trajectory, maybe he's into those all-time great college times as well. But eight minutes and 18 seconds in the Chase, again, the third fastest time in college history in in the race, punches Duncan Hamilton's ticket. It is the week of July 12th through the 16th in Eugene, Oregon, the World Championships. Here's Hamilton's thoughts on those World Championships back in Tracktown, USA.
2: The goals just keep getting bigger and bigger every year, and yeah, I mean, I've hit the world standard. Now I just, if I can make a world's team at this like at this age, that would be a dream come true. And you know, I'm I don't need to worry about the time anymore. Like I've got that part done, so it's just racing from here on out. And now I'm not racing NCAA athletes. I'm racing, racing pros. So it's just all I could ever ask for.
0: It would be so fascinating to see how Duncan Hamilton. Makes that transition a special Treasure State Stars featuring four All-Americans from the Montana State track and field team it is presented by Parkside Credit Union. Let's hear from Drake Schneider. What a story! Kid decided to go Division Three out of high school because he had no Division One offers. Transfers to Montana State becomes one of the best hurdlers in the history of the Big Sky Conference. The kid is so unbelievably fun to watch. He's so charismatic. He's got so much swagger. And man, is he just a burner! He takes sixth in the men's 400-meter hurdles. His time, though, he was he was within half a second of national championship caliber time, and uh, 49.06 seconds, a Montana State record, a Big Sky Conference record, one of the great races we've seen by a Montana athlete. And uh, Drake Schneider, the first sprinter in Montana State history to earn first-team All-American honors. Here's Schneider following his unbelievable performance.
1: I mean, it's just (laughs) something I've been working for since I was a very, very little kid, you know. I came D1, instead of staying D3 for this exact moment, Uh, (laughs) was the chance to run here in this race today. So, I mean, it's super fulfilling. I mean, I couldn't have asked for much more, maybe a better race, but (laughs) uh, just to be here is such a big moment for me. That was kind of my hope. I mean, (laughs) I wanted to be here, Uh, Not a lot of people other than me probably thought that I would be, so it means a lot. Uh, In terms of for the university, it's good to put Montana State on the map. I definitely had a few comments from my competitors over the weekend, you know, saying I didn't expect you to really be here because you're from a smaller, non-Power 5 school, so uh, it's good for them to know this, this school's on the map, and we had three guys let them know this weekend and then hopefully we got a girl to let them know tomorrow.
0: Lucy Corbett, by the way, a Bozeman high graduate. She ended up taking 15th. It was uh, unfortunate in the high jump, not just for her, but for so many of the competitors and I believe there's nine young ladies that came in with season bests of six feet or higher. But the national championship mark was under six feet because it was pouring rain during the high jump. Nobody could get their footing. But Corbett, who's won five Big Sky titles, she was a second-team All-American for the second year in a row. And uh, cool for Jake Schneider to acknowledge the team part of this thing, the Montana State men finish 25th overall. So truly affirmed you can call Montana State a top 25 track and field program, at least coming out of this outdoor season. Schneider did so much to get to that All-American level. Here's one last soundbite. From the Montana State runner, congratulations to him on a great career. This is, I believe, the fifth time he's joined us here on New Ones Now. Trey Schneider, just on the work that it took to get to first-team All-American honors.
1: It took so much. I mean, it took, I don't know how many schools there are in the NCAA for Division One, but it took every single one of them now want me to be to this point right now. Um, you know, getting here is just, such a good feeling as I got to kind of thumb my nose at everybody who said I wouldn't be good enough someday, and... I carried that with me every single day after I won it my freshman year. I thought to myself, okay, um, you know, I might be able to make something out of this sophomore year ran a time to get to regionals. And I said, okay, I got two, maybe three years left after this. Let's see how far we can carry it. And um, (laughs) I did it. So (laughs) it's a pretty big moment for me. You
0: just love hearing the emotion and emotion in his voice there. It took, every Division I school not wanting me to get to me at this point. I love it, man. I love when kids overcome it. When people don't believe in them, and they bet on themselves, and they come out on top. Sweet story. Congratulations to the Montana State Track and Field Program for their outstanding performance at the NCAA Outdoor Championships, and that's a wrap. Spring sports in the book. The 2021-2022 academic and athletic school year officially behind us. Now we can turn the page. Now we can just Kick it and have fun. We always have fun here on ESPN Radio, but we're gonna really open it up and have all sorts of fun and, and uh less structured content here these next uh oh five weeks or so. And then uh once that big sky kickoff media days rolls around last week of July, boom, into football season. But congratulations to each and every athlete, coach, official, everybody that was a part of this last year. Very fun year. Um, particularly through Montana state. I mean, one of the great cumulative athletic department years we have seen, but also this Western side of the state from the high school level dominant. And uh, those are sort of the parallels. So we'll have some of our top 10 storylines from around the state of Montana, both at the college and high school levels throughout the next couple of days. I know it's not new year's it's mid June, but I like to put a wrap on things this time of year. So we will do exactly that. We'll also put a wrap on this show Right after this, we'll take you home here on Nuanas Now. Keep it right here at ESPN Radio. Sportsbet Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Ooh, a little John Cougar for you. John Cougar Cap. What's up, Montana? Welcome back. New on is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Thanks for being with us here on your Tuesday. Go get that new ESPN Montana app. Great way to follow along. You can watch the show stream the show live and or archived. If you want to catch up on nuanas Now, you can do it there. You can also follow Grizz Hockey, Grizz Lacrosse. Got a bunch of other fun stuff coming as well. Go, go get that ESPN Montana app in your life. You can always find the show archived on our ESPN Montana podcast as well. The nuanas Now podcast proudly presented by Sportsbet Montana as well as the Advocates. Today's show, a fun show. We talked all the way around the world of football. Who are the best Visiting players we've seen at Washington Grizzly Stadium and Bobcat Stadium in football. Talked East-West Shrine Game. Heard from future Bobcat and Butte product, Dylan Snyder. Also talked some NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships. Heard from Duncan Hamilton, Lyle Weiss, and Drake Schneider. And also talked some NBA Finals. Let's go check out the Nuanas Now podcast. Sports Bet Montana and the Advocates, the proud presenting sponsors. Rest of the week, we'll keep talking Shrine Game. Tomorrow got uh, our ESPN roundtable featuring Mark Sampson as well as Bryce Carver. Mark Sampson leading up the East in the East-West Shrine game, and uh, Bryce Carver headed up the West. We're also going to talk some Stanley Cup playoffs. Stanley Cup finals begin. So we'll have Mike Anderson from the Grizz hockey team in studio. And we're also going to hear from Caden Bateman who's part of our senior spotlight. He is a future Grizz basketball player. And uh, a Missoula Big Sky grad. so stay tuned for all of that. should be a fun one tomorrow. A couple minutes left here, but I, I was thinking about I've been trying to be positive about certain things because you know you can I, I was thinking this when I was thinking about the um, the great the great influence, my education in journalism school, provided me, and I talked about it off the top of the show, and and just the importance of truth, and uh, the reporting of truth, the maintenance of truth, how important all that is, but sometimes, um, a lot of times, the more educated you become, the more research you do, especially from a reporting standpoint, the more you dig on certain issues, the more disheartening it can become, the more cynical you can, can become. And I I find a lot of journalists fall into that. First of all, I think some of the best journalists are people that are naturally cynical, and then journalism makes you more cynical as well. So oftentimes we we dwell on the the negatives. And I've been thinking about this Live Golf Tour extensively and uh, sort of the overlay and, and divide that it's creating in the world of professional golf and the controversy that it is. The controversy it is because they are picking off stars from the PGA Tour controversy it is because of where the money comes from. Um, I mean, it's basically funded by uh, Saudi Arabian elites. There's the whole concept of sports washing. That's all to say, though, that if you were to take a, a thin-tooth comb and weave through and, and um, parse through professional sports across the board, I think you would find a lot of unsavory characters, a lot of unsavory money. And I'm not trying to rank one against the other. I'm not trying to make any sort of accusations. All I'm saying is the closer you get to something, the more it stinks almost always. So therefore then I think that the live, I don't think, I know the live golf championships here to stay. Charles Schwartzel won more money than anybody in the history of professional golf winning the first live tour. I mean, taking into consideration this, he won $1.8 million more than any major championship winner has ever won. That's crazy in a three day tournament. They're also offering guarantees and tournaments with no cuts and all these things that seem so appealing. So, I understand the moral question here. I understand the ethical question here. I also think, though, that it's here to stay. There's nothing we can do to control it. So, you can, this is the thing I want to encourage everybody to do. You can think two simultaneous things are true at the same time, and one could give you a good feeling and one can give you a bad feeling. You can think that the funding and the money for the Live Golf Tour is deplorable, and you can also find entertainment in the Live Golf Tour. That's what I'm trying to convince myself of, because there's nothing I can do about the Saudis trying to sports-wash America with golf. There isn't. And uh, so... I was thinking, though, when Rory McIlroy won the Canadian Open this last weekend, the PGA Tour event, he did a little smack talking, and he was uh, sort of talking out of the side and front of his mouth right at Greg Norman, who's the guy who has spearheaded this Live Golf Tour. McIlroy said, I knew I was tied with somebody that had a a huge influence on making the Live Golf Tour a reality, and I knew if I won, I would pass him on the all-time wins list. That's Greg Norman. Rory McIlroy won for the 21st time on the PGA Tour, He surpassed Greg Norman in career victories. A little shot in the dark. Well, now I think that we have this opportunity, or I guess this scenario, excuse me, where you're going to get these two different entities, and it's almost like the NWO, for those that are old-school professional wrestling fans. There's WWF, then there was the WCW, then there was the NWO, who kind of came in and was this, like, Outca- part. I mean, it was, it was part of the story. It was part of the script, all that. But they were sort of this evil empire that were going to take over pro wrestling. And then they would steal another heel. And, you know, at first it was the Outsiders, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, both of them, I believe both, rest in peace. I, I know for sure Scott Hall passed away in, the, in recent years. Razor Ramon, formerly. But those guys then got Sting, and they got... Hulk Hogan, and they got some of the old school wrestling guys to come their way, and they all created these villainous personas, and they were all having such fun with it. And I know this is—we're talking about a scripted, choreographed, you know, "quote unquote" sport, but I do think that professional wrestling—they had this dichotomy between good and evil, which is what people want from storylines and anything that we follow, because then we want to root, and we have this this perception of who's going to win and all these things, and who we want to win. Who's more savory to win? All that stuff. So, I just was thinking, what if we had a little more heel, a little more villain, a little more smack-talking in pro golf? What if guys keep jumping to the other side? What if this continues, and actually, it's more beneficial for the character building and the storylines and all of that of professional golf? Again, you can think that the uh, it's deplorable where the money comes from, but... I think it's here to stay, so I'm just trying to find some compelling parts. And I continue to be fascinated by this for so many different reasons, from the finances to the morality to the uh, microcosm of it is in pro sports and monopolies in pro sports to everything in between. So we're going to keep talking pro golf and live golf here on Nuanas Now. We will be back at it tomorrow at 4 p.m. In the meantime, have yourself a wonderful Tuesday evening, and we'll see you then. This is Nuanas Now ESPN Radio.